Okay, good morning, Northeast region of the Garden State Church. I want to say welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for those that are, are visiting. Um, I really want to um, give a special shout out to, uh, to uh, Lovely and Maria. What a fantastic job they did welcoming us, taking us to the cross, and Derek for informing us about what's going on. And again, if you have any questions, uh, please go to the website, gardenstatechurch.com. So for the next two weeks, we are going to dive into the book of James. All right. And not because it's a short book, but it is a very practical book. And, you know, you know, James uh, was the half brother of Jesus. So, you know, James has an incredible insight uh, that, that we can uh, take advantage of and, and understand. I don't know about you, but in our home, uh, and I believe in every kitchen, there's a junky drawer. It might not be in the kitchen, it might be in another room, but there's, you got the junky drawer, right? Then you got the medicine cabinet. So I remember looking through the medicine cabinet and I was like, wow, we got a lot of outdated stuff that if we took, you might hurt yourself because it was so old. And so as I was thinking about medicine, you know, I was like, you know, we buy medicine. We believe in medicine. We even tell other people about how the medicine interacts with our bodies and the chemicals inside and uh, how it helps us. But medicine is not needed or not needed but it doesn't work unless you do what hence the title of today's lesson is faith use only as directed let's pray together our God in heaven, we again thank you for this time that we have to open up your word. God, it is so encouraging that we have your words, your thoughts, your attitudes and, and perspective. And God, I pray that as we read your word today, that we would be inspired. I pray we'd be challenged. But I pray more than anything that it would move us a step closer to being what you call and want us to be. And Father, for those that may not be sure what they believe, I pray that it would cause them to really examine uh, wh what you have to say. Because again, your words lead to eternal life. Your words lead to freedom. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, you know, you can know a, a, a product or, uh, in fact, 
you know, you could even sell a product and share that product with other people and tell them how great it is. But unless you use it, it doesn't really matter. So I wanna ask you to turn your Bibles to James chapter two. We're gonna get there in a moment. That'll be the text that we'll be focusing on, James chapter two. And you know, 2000 years ago, James, the brother of Jesus, recognized that there were Christians who had thought that just by purchasing the product, owning the product, believing in the product, telling others about the product, and learning more and more on a weekly basis of how the product could and should work was enough. And so he wrote this letter, and it was primarily to uh, Jewish believers. And so we're not just talking about anybody, but people who were, were, were brought up with a, a tradition and a theology. And so, you know, they, they had a pretty deep background um, biblically because of, you know, uh, the, the history. And so Basically, James is saying to the church, it's time for you to use this faith that you are so proud of. It's time to apply this faith that you're excited about. Because if your faith is to have any impact on this side of eternity, it must be used as directed. You know, James chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read together. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? So James starts off with a question. And I think questions are awesome because they make you think. They make you stop and say, okay, I got to think about that. And he says, what good or what good would it do if a man says he has faith, but he does not do anything with it? Is there any practical good to that faith? And what would the answer be? No. To just believe and have this intellectual acknowledgement but then do nothing. Then he says something here. He says, can such faith save him? Now, James uses the word save. Now, this is a very interesting fact, but it doesn't actually mean what you and I think it means. When you hear the word save, what do you think of? Salvation, right? Hey, going to heaven, saved from hell. From a theological standpoint, that's not what they understood this to mean. In the first century, this word saved meant, it, it would be like, um, you know, he saved the game for us. Uh, you know, that, that book saved my marriage. 
that deal saved my job. And so the word means to preserve something that is important to us. Are you with me? And so James is kind of setting up this argument or discussion so that he can make a point about what he's getting ready to talk about. See, on a day-to-day basis, can faith that has no works, can faith that has no application save or preserve any aspect of your life? You know, can a husband who is a baptized believer, who's gone through deep convictions, who's had the follow-up studies and the discipling time, be a good husband if he does not apply the scriptures that apply to marriage? Can a family who comes together every week at church but goes home from Sunday, I'm sorry, from Monday to Saturday and not apply the things that the scriptures teach, will that preserve their family relationships? See, our Heavenly Father wants to preserve our lives. He wants to preserve our relationships with him and with one another. He wants us, in fact, listen, he wants us to experience the divine nature in this life. And he wants you and I ultimately to become more and more like his son. So James is saying, can unapplied faith do anything that is useful? And, you know, you and I, we got to remember that just because we're in the kingdom and just because we're in a saved relationship with God does not mean that we can can coast and kind of maintain and know the right doctrine. Or believe that we've arrived and we're finished products. I have one point today, one point today. And the point is this, if you don't apply what you learn, why not? That's the whole message. I hear something, I learn something, and then I apply it. It is mighty quiet in here. (laughs) Mighty quiet in here. It's the application. It's the use of your faith that preserves you. 
your marriage relationship, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your relatives, your relationship with your roommates, even your reputation, your self-esteem, your finances. It's the application or the use of your faith that preserves you day in and day out. Are you with me, church? We can't get into this mode of just coming to church, hear a message, maybe read our Bibles, maybe do this, maybe do that, and know the right things to do, know the right things to say. Somebody come, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm going great. I, and we're not applying the word to our lives. And that the rest of the week, we're just doing our thing, right? See, this is what's exciting, is that one little decision, the one little focus, it changes everything. And the fact is, is that you'll know if you've been out of practice when you start doing it again. And you're like, hmm. I said I was going to write down my quiet time every day and take that one thing. And then, you know, eight days had gone by on the schedule. Because you know what? Your quiet time is now about a five minute little thing. Here was a scripture. Amen. Lord, help me. Thank you. Amen. And that's our time with God. But here's the beauty. God wants to help you and I with this one thing. Apply. Application. Application. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? So, now, James says, okay, imagine that this happens in our fellowship and somebody's maybe been burnt out or, or whatnot. Their whole house caught on fire. They lost everything. They come to you in fellowship. They say, oh my gosh, I, I'm just so embarrassed. But man, I need some lunch money for my family. And you say, oh my God, that happened to you. And then you start welling up with tears. And I can't believe, oh my God. Come here. Did you hear? Did you know what happened to them? We're going to pray for you. We get in the little huddle and we pray that prayer. And it's like, oh, brother, may the Lord bless you. But we do nothing to meet that need. You know what's equivalent to that? What's equivalent to that is when you talk to the guy who hears the same news and says, that's tough luck, man. Life ain't fair. That happened to me, actually, back in 1960-something. I mean, that would be totally insensitive, right? But brothers and sisters, that's what 
happens when our actions don't match our faith. First John 3.18 says, dear friends, let, not, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You know, I started working with, um, I'm calling them the young bros. And one of the brothers had a, uh, has an issue and was uh, hospitalized this morning at five something. Man, he, another brother got up and he was right there with him. Five something in the morning. And I'm like, nah, that's a good reason not to be at church. You could watch on Zoom. But he went to be there for his brother. Action. See, James is trying to help us not just believe the right stuff and sincerely believe the right stuff, not just to know the songs and to sing the right songs. And sometimes we're even telling others the truth. But the fact is, is that until it's applied, there's no real practical use. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. There's two types of faith in this world. And see, some of us are right. Okay, there you go. Dead faith, alive faith. Slow down, slow down. What I was going to say is you have active faith and you have inactive faith. What, what kind of faith do you have? Is it active or is it inactive? See, faith apart from application won't do anything really for you. You know, when you think about marriage and you get two Christians that come together and they get married, that does not mean you have a Christian marriage. For those of who are married, is that true? Something else has to happen if you're going to have a Christian marriage, right? It's more than just being a Christian. Some of us are single adults, right? And just because he or she says they're a Christian doesn't mean that they're a Christian. And we have to, we got to be aware. We got to be on guard to be looking at, okay, what's going on here? But first, in the mirror, what's going on with me? Am I who I need to be? Right? We can't get fooled. Brothers and sisters, friends, we can't be fooled by what people say. Look for the application. Look for the follow through. Start with yourself and then others. Let me tell you, here's what's a real scary thought. When you get to a point where you're not looking at yourself and you are focusing on other people's behaviors, 
you really got a problem. Otherwise, you got it going on in your eyes and you're monitoring other people. In other words, it doesn't apply to you. You apply the Bible to other people. The Bible says this, so you should treat me that way. The Bible says that, so you should be acting like this. You're a disciple, so you, you do that. You're barking up the wrong tree. You got to start in the mirror. Because even if you want people to do the right thing, you got to model it. I'm not saying we don't need to have conversations and help each other. But I think it's so important that we don't get fooled, that we're not missing the point. And James, he, I love the way he, he, he does this. So he goes into the next section here in verse 18, and he begins to kind of shift the discussion. And now it becomes this imaginary person, right? And so he's having a, a discussion with this imaginary person. And look at what he says here. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So now James is bringing up a, a, an imaginary person that has this argument who says, hey, you know, you have faith, I have deeds. And so the, the imaginary person is saying, hey, I, uh, you have faith, I have deeds. So show me your faith by what you do. If somebody said to you, show me your faith, what are you going to do? Um, it's right over there. <laughs> you, you can't really do that, right? So the imaginary person here says, okay, See, I want you to understand something. We can believe the same things, but the way I express it and act may be different from how you express it and act. So it's possible for us to believe the same things, but we don't just, we don't act it out in the same way. And to make that point even further, in verse 19, he says, you believe that there's one God? good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So now the imaginary person is saying you and demons are the same. The difference is they shudder and you rejoice. You and the demons both share something in common. You believe there's one God. Great. But the way you apply what you believe is different. So just because we believe the same, we don't have to act the same. But see, there's something subtle going on here. Because see, some people like to say that, right? You have your way, I have my way. But you know how Jesus is. Jesus loves to get personal. <laughs> so when somebody starts getting personal, it's like, hey, you can, you and I, we can, we can believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And we can believe in the resurrection and, and, and the, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit and all of that. But, dude, don't tell me how to spend my money. 
Don't ask me about my purity. Don't talk to me about my finances. See, because I do it different. Now, yeah, I'm, you know, in debt and, you know, I'm kind of jacked up over here with, you know, terrible credit, but there's a reason for that. See, some of us can be just like this guy. We don't like people telling us what to do. We're going to do it our way. And I'm saying, man, that's your choice. Because, you know, I've learned when I do things my way, it doesn't work. Actually, it may work, but people end up getting hurt <laughs> or, uh, you know, there's some neglect that goes on. And see, we got to really be careful to make sure that we don't have that kind of attitude, but that we will trust God when it comes to those things to say, well, God, what do you say about my marriage and my attitude in my marriage? What do you say about my parenting or my relationship with my children? What do you say about my finances and my, 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 my money and, and how do I prioritize these things? And, and help me, Lord, what, what, what's the way that I should be thinking about these things? See, all of that stuff doesn't come into play if you don't apply the principles and you just got knowledge. See, James says, hey, if we don't pay attention to the practical outflow of what we believe, our life, our relationships, our finances, our reputation, everything about us, it will not be preserved by God. And see, you can pray, pray, pray. You can pray, pray, pray. You can believe, believe, believe. But it won't do any good because God has chosen to preserve us through the application, the doing associated with faith. Are you with me, church? See, this is powerful because sometimes we're frustrated and we don't really understand why. Well, maybe you're not applying it to you. Maybe you are so focused over here that you're not applying it to you. Now, I said, next week, we're going to get into this a little further because it's so important that we get this. But let's keep going. Verse 20. So James now responds to the imaginary friend. He says, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And again, he's talking to a Jewish audience. In verse 21, he says, was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he what? 
Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And so James is like, look at Abraham. You guys think Abraham's awesome, right? Yeah, Abraham's the man. Why is he so awesome? What man, I tell you, that story about him taking his boy on a hike up the mountain, he's ready to stab him and sacrifice him. Can you believe that? <laughs> See, we celebrate Abraham because of what he did. Can you imagine a voice from heaven? Pick up everything you got and go west. And I'll tell you when to stop. That's what he did at 75. See, he displayed belief and action. The difference maker for us is not what we believe. And church, sometimes we can be so proud about the truth. But it's not just that. It's what we do with the truth. Coupled with his faith, coupled with his works. Man, that's what made Abraham so awesome. Look at verse 25. I'm going to wrap this up here. In the same way, was not Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Now, this is amazing because this woman was not a part of the Israelites. She was a Gentile. She was a foreigner. And if you read in the Bible, man, she not only got in, she was in the line of David. I mean, in the line of Jesus, but, you know, I think she was David's grandmother or something. I can't remember. Sorry. Forgive <laughs> me on that one. Um, but she was in the line. Just read Matthew. <laughs> read Matthew genealogy. But her story is found in Joshua 6. You can jot that down. Rahab asked the spies. Think about this. She heard about what had happened. You don't cross the river and, and dry ground. And, and she heard about the Red Sea. And she was on notice. I don't know who that God is, but that is God Almighty, who I don't even know. But when she found out they came to town, she said, hey, uh, when you invade our town, would you preserve or save my family. And they put that little thread in the you know, window. And so the, which is a crazy story. The people got marched around, you know, seven days, seven times on the seven, and then the walls fell down, except her house. What? 
The walls came down, but not her house. Why? Because Rahab believed these people are from God. And I want to preserve my family. So I'm willing to do this, and it could cost me my life. Her acts of faith, not just her heartfelt feelings, her acts of faith saved her and her family. God saved her, a prostitute who believed and acted on her faith. In our lives, only one thing gives value to our faith. And that's our willingness to apply it and to do something with what we say we believe. I wanna show you a video. You guys know, I like videos, right? This is, a, this is a video, it's not about people, it's not about people, but they came to our house, uh, the township, and they did some work, and they created uh, a little patch of dirt in our front yard. It looked really bad, and now, personally, I don't, I don't really care about all that, but you know, in our home, others care deeply <laughs> about how it looks. So I thought I would take initiative to beautify this spot in our front yard. So let's look at the process of what happened. having technical difficulties here for a minute it'll come up lord help it come up please All right. Keep going. Okay. We'll, we'll come back to that. You want to go to that slide after? So what you were going to see is a slide of dirt that was tilted, you know, in the seat. There we go.
I just got to say that was worth the wait. Again, this is the point today, church. Application leads to transformation. That's it. Application leads to transformation. If you don't apply, you die. Look at verse 26. We're going to wrap this up. James ends this and he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It's the application of our faith that preserves us. God is willing to work in our lives when we apply his, his principles. See, are you willing to apply God's word to your life? I'll never forget, 20 years old, studying the Bible, this young man comes in my room, he took his watch off like I did 45 minutes. He said, I want to share the message of the cross with you. And gosh, 20 something minutes in, the tears start to, to flow because I was learning what it meant. I was understanding how it applied to me. And I then took ownership for my sin and what it actually did to Jesus. And then I learned about this thing called repentance. See, I thought repentance was, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Lord, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Lord, if you do this, I will never, ever, ever do that again. That's what I thought repentance was. And boy, did I didn't know that what repentance was. But when you learn and you understand, man, that was the greatest change I ever experienced in my life. But there had to be a application. There had to be a learning. There had to be an understanding of, hey, Russ, cannot do this on his own. Russ can't put himself in these types of situations. Russ needs to pray and read his Bible just to be normal. He needs that. Nobody has to say, read your Bible. No, I need that so that I can think right, so that I can get my head on straight, so that I can be clear and understand, I can't do what you're asking me to do without you. Are you with me? See, man, one of the things I'm concerned about, man, how, how are our quiet times? Are we still having those? Do we know how to have those? Hey, we're going to talk about that as well. Maybe we've gotten a little rusty. We just got to get back to that basic stuff. See, remember the goal is to use your faith as directed. That has the power to transform your life. Now, the Bible says in Colossians 2, verse 11, it says, in him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature 
not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. You know, this morning, uh, we are going to see a young man make Jesus Lord of his life. Okay? And I wanted to read this scripture because it's, it's so amazing. You know, sometimes people get baptism, they get it all kind of messed up and make it all about something else. And it's a work. And it, let me tell you something. When somebody decides to get baptized, according to this scripture, it uses an analogy of a circumcision. And a circumcision is the cutting away of the foreskin on the head of the penis. And so what Jesus does is he cuts away the power of the sinful nature in a person's life. And then when they are baptized into Christ, they participate in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And Jesus is going to cut away this power, and then they're going to get the Holy Spirit, and all their sins are going to be washed away. Now you tell me, That takes faith to believe all that is going to happen because you go down in that water and come on out. It's not a work, but it's a response to the call of Christ. It's, it's a response to the message. And so today, uh, where's Jonathan at? Wait, stand up real quick. There he is. Hey, Jonathan. <laughs> so, so today, Jonathan is, is going to, to do that. But what, what we needed to do, we needed to set it up outside. So we're going to ask, I'm going to ask the singers to come on up. We're going to have one last song. And then uh, we'll go outside and the guys are going to share and, uh, and then we'll see Jonathan become our new brother in Christ. So let's all stand and sing. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs>